This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Agile Uprising Podcast. I'm your host again, Jay Hersko. Joined me, I have the irregular regular, Mr. Jonathan Snyder. Howdy, howdy. And the soon-to-be regular, irregular regular, Mr. Stephen Kellogg. Hello. And the topic of this conversation is going to be one that we have actually never had before in the podcast. So we're going to be talking about uh, security, safety, as it's likely called. Um, and the, I guess the working title for this episode is cloud security is bullshit. And joining us to talk about this topic, um, is a friend of mine, uh, probably the biggest new order fan on the planet, Ken Pyle. Ken, thank you for joining. Yes. New order rules. (laughs) So Ken, I'm, I am not even going to attempt to summarize your CV, uh, but I'm, I am going to give you a second just to introduce yourself to the audience and, and talk a little about, a little bit about what you do. So my name is Ken Pyle. I'm a partner of Cyber. Uh, it's a firm I am a part partner of where we do information security, incident response, um, digital forensics, e-discovery. So we, we cover the gamut of like security, forensics, digital investigations, incident response, you know, all those things that people like to put a different label on. So uh, I'm responsible for doing pen testing, exploit development. I'm considered an expert in offensive operations and tailored access and what that really means is i'm good at hacking computer stuff um and that kind of there's a lot of things that gets called over the years because it sounds sexy and everybody has a new wagon wheel that they want to sell and call it something new like it used to be pen testing and now it's red teaming and now it's cyber adversary simulation bullshit and thank god you swear swore before i did and it's essentially like the same thing over and over again but it's just really good security practice and being like very i call it digitally cynical Like, I'm paid to be a digital cynic. You say this can't happen, and I'm going to tell you it can, and it sucks, and here's why. (laughs) So uh, on top of that, I'm like a problem solver. I'm a problem thinker, guys. So I'm also a professor of cybersecurity, a graduate professor of cybersecurity at Chesahill College, which nobody – the trivia is, and Jay and I joke around about, I have the ultimate nerd credibility in any argument. My school is the school that produced the ENIAC programmers. So I get their pictures hang in the back of my classroom and I get to go, okay, well, I get to say I'm the professor of the school. <laughs> so it gives you a little nerd cred. So, uh, but yeah, all joking aside, like I, I do that because I, I'm one of those people, like I'm a pragmatist. I'm a very much an iconoclast. I think I'm pretty good at doing the job. I think I'm pretty good at teaching people how to do the job and like everybody's got a system, right? I don't think we've ever gotten any of this correct. I don't think there's like one single answer in an agile mentality if you want to. But I'm willing to give myself, like, give it, take it a shot. Like, I, I want to see if I have the answer. How did I get to where I am and how can I teach other people to do it? So really, what do I do? Exploit development, teaching, 
a lot of academic research. I do a lot of bug bounty work privately and stuff like that, reverse engineering and all the nefarious things that people like to call different things. So <laughs> sorry to give you the rambling background, but- No, 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 know. that's that's perfect. So the, the genesis of this episode uh, for those listeners comes from, I was, I follow Ken on LinkedIn. Obviously we're connected, we've worked together and he posted something that's really made me think. And the verbatim quote was, there is no cloud. There is only poorly managed, publicly accessible shadow IT infrastructure. <laughs> and I saw this and I stopped and I went, holy shit, he got it. So, you know, I've had, I've had Penny and Jamie from, uh, from uh, Container Solutions on, right? So I am a big believer in that idea, that aesthetic about, you know, moving things into the cloud. But however, Ken, you bring up a very uncomfortable point which is you're kind of putting, you're putting perfume on, on a pig, right? So it basically, it, but it's not even a pig you own. It's like a pig that somebody else owns that you kind of just like rent, right? So I'll get a name check, a very good friend of ours from a very long time ago, from when this was all starting, John Vanderveer, who said, there is no cloud, we call it smoke and mirrors. Because <laughs> he... When we worked together, we were considered like Statler and Waldorf for the company. We sat in like a stadium seating and we were the two cynical dicks that sat up top and just ripped everybody apart because that's what you do. Uh, <laughs> so it makes you get security first. So yeah, yeah, honestly, it's all shadow IT infrastructure because it comes down to this. It's always the same problem. It's always the same thing. We have these sets of rules that have holes in them. And we have these people who are going to figure out in the most convenient way possible to get around them and do their job in the most convenient way possible. So developers have to develop with these people in mind. And I'll say it very frankly, we have to develop for the biggest idiot who's going to use the computer and make sure we get them in a cattle chute to go where they want to go. And as we become more digital, it becomes easier. Tends to be the difference between that and security. The phenomenon this has spawned among many other things I could talk about for hours, is we're now like second and third generation lazy. Like we're not only habitually lazy from the coding stuff that like when I was messing around in the 80s with my, my modem, you know, getting into bulletin boards. There are bad habits. And this is one of the things I picked up on and I'm doing a ton of research and wait till you see what I uncovered. But people are getting lazy and reusing code and reusing bad ideas and things are getting buried because back then we said, we're going to spack all over this thing and we're going to keep going and we're going to get back to that problem later. So we built this bad, 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 bad foundational house. And we made people be really lazy on the laziness they've already learned. You know, like it's just mm -hmm. these bad habits mm -hmm. accumulate. So what do I get? It gets to. We've gotten to the point now where we're like, hey, we, you can't have as many IT infrastructure. You can't have as many people, can't have any skilled so-and-so working at your company. So we'll make a cloud. Well, we'll take over the resource management of all of that, yada, yada, yada. We'll take care of it, which fine. Again, good, good idea. And we go, we're scaling you up to this. What nobody really thought about was this. They are the same problems and the same infrastructure things and the same resources, the same 70% of the people being barely adequate problem everybody else has. So all you're doing is hoping they have some slightly better hiring routines than anybody else has, have some slightly beyond the curve things that are happening. But the reality is everybody operates the same way. They are a company like anybody else with the same bad habits, same bad habits, same bad patches, same all these other things that just keep getting repeated, repeated, repeated. And it's just causing this large problem. It's so what is happening like, in the industry? I, I like ahead, your sorry. idea of 
scaled laziness, right? Because I yes, think exactly. of, perfectly. Yes, exactly. I, I scaled laziness. Larry Wall, right? The creator of Pearl said the three best traits of a software engineer is laziness, impatience, and hubris. And to your point, Ken, you know, we're talking about third generation developers who learned, and this is bad audio, but John Schneider, everyone, he is nodding so hard. I think his head's going to roll off. <laughs> but, you know, if, if the first generation guys, like you said, they spackled over the problem because, oh, we'll fix this later, which is the, which is the neck, the, the, that's the, the genesis of tech debt in a nutshell, right? Yeah. And we have, to your point, we have consistently built lazier and lazier process on top of something which was never meant to hold the weight that it holds now. And then here we are where you're backdooring into everything. And to, I, but truth be told, um, I did email Ken as soon as Facebook went down and I went, is this you? And his, <laughs> his response was, you're the seventh person to ask that, LOL. And, I, and then I replied, that wasn't an outright <laughs> denial. So, so I will tell you, I will talk about as much of this as I can because it's going to get bananas. I literally had a conversation with a very, very high person in the industry and I had never talked to them much verbally before i had a little engagement i said i'm going to say to you right now that i'm the number one denial of service vector on the planet and by the time i end this conversation you're going to agree with me 53 minutes later he was saying we got to call some people and get a working group together because holy shit how did that happen i went i knew about this back then and it's really just been an inherited problem ever since and again you get all these like Okay, it'll be fine. And we kicked the can down the road. Good example of this. Everybody brings up Y2K. Everybody's old enough to remember. Everybody made a ton of money on Y2K. I'm like, oh, we're by. How many people fixed the Unix epic time problem? Right? You're nodding your head. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So what happens? Because nobody ever fixed that. And that is a far bigger problem. But what have we said? At eh, sometime in the 2030s, I'm going to be out of the industry by the time that's a problem. <laughs> Won't impact me. Sorry, exactly guys. Exactly what happened. Somebody's got to pay them. Like, the bill comes due. And I will tell you right now, like, one of the things Jay and I were talking about the other day is I have found one of the largest, most deeply embedded, critical cryptographic flaws ever. It's literally everywhere. So bad. I, my research project, I did, I'm a, like applied cryptographer, like, I, and I teach it because I'm like a nerd, right? I worked out this little subsection of a problem. Like, here's a cryptographic problem. Has anybody ever figured this out before? I'm like, no. I'm like, okay, I'm going to report this. Who do you report it to? I want to try to find out. I can trace it back as far as the mid-90s, but nobody can tell me where it came from. And this snippet of code has been reused so many times. They said it went out of the code base in 2008. In 2021, I, you were probably walking around in your network with this master key to vital infrastructure, and you don't even know it. Because some idiot developer, and I don't mean it to say like pejoratively, but committed this way back when it got put in there, and then people went, well, that's a cryptographic routine, copy-paste, or I'll just import that from source and never look at it again. And you're like, how in the hell did this end up in 2021 embedded in billions of devices? And I, I literally, like, the thing I said to Jay was this. Like, I started out this many years ago going, like, I wanted to get to the pilot of the plane and go, like, what's up? And I got to the cockpit. And a bunch of people were there. I was like, is anybody here the pilot? And they're like, aren't, aren't you the pilot? <laughs> like, I've literally had conversations with people about the subject. And they're like, I was like, here's the problem. They're like, oh, no, no, no. They're like, all right, here it is. They're like, oh, my God, how do you fix that? I'm like, are you the guy supposed to be able to tell me how to fix this? I'm like, I'm the guy who's told you this is broken. Like, 
Wilfred and Snowpiercer, like, <laughs> ready to go. Yeah. Petrified. I, I know what I'm rambling. It's just like, it's so crazy. Like, and then you have to deal with this on a daily basis and all of it is hostile. And I just all have to plug that. I, I will never to this day forget. It was like, mm, I think 12 or 13 years ago where I sat in my first like real session from like, I think it was White Hat Security. I can't remember. They, but they, they were like, hey, we're just going to train your software engineering team on some good fundamental practice. You know, it was cross-write scripting and just like very basic yeah. rudimentary things. It was 90% of the people, it was eye-opening like i and this is very fundamental things that like you know they're very easy and then we were doing sql injection and cross-write script and they were just going through all and then they went through all the use cases back in the past five years of just what was happening and this was 10 years like 10 11 12 years ago and it was eye-opening and a big deal the thing that is interesting that i'm also curious to pick your brain on ken because i know you can get into the weeds get into the tech and get into the developer habits which that's a whole other topic i want to get into but (laughs) because it's compounding and this is my point that i'm curious on your thoughts too because you're right it is uh, it's also compounding in the sense that yes there are some very prominent very good tech companies but you're right every company is a company that has the same problems and it's redundant and the part I'm getting to is a lot of these companies, they're definitely strategically looking at technology as an enabler too, where, oh, I'll lean on the experts on their managed services and their cloud, and they're doing the right thing. And I can't tell you how many times they just pass the buck and say, well, these are experts, right? They manage their tools better than we would. And then I'm the one that has to look at the tool and say, do you have the ability to actually access any of our private keys or things that we do? Oh yeah, we do it because it's a service we offer. And I'm like, oh my God. So that you're saying if you get compromised now all of the private keys so you have there's those little nuggets in there and that's what you were getting at is there's those hidden details and things that people gloss over and they're like oh that's not a big deal we can accept that and sure enough i'm sure you could have story after story where you go oh, yeah. you really want to accept that <laughs> I, I would say this i'm working on what i wish i wish i could talk about what i'm working on now because it's the ultimate one of these things like where it was like whatever mm. we trust that it works and i hate I, I don't want to beat a dead horse but i'll insert thing here because they're all the same solar winds kaseya target whatever else they're all the same thing i engaged this third-party company to do this and they fell asleep at the wheel or i didn't know the buck was getting passed on because what were what are solar winds can say they're msp software so what does an msp do small and medium-sized msp can't manage all their tickets, manage all the things. So they go, okay, we're going to trust that this other company has it. And they go, great. We're going to upsell you on a bunch of other stuff, security services, what else? And you can add this to your portfolio. You can put your name on it. You can resell it. And it just keeps going on and on and on. So what happens? Because everybody is selling their piece of the pie and then passing it up and saying somebody else has got that. The problem and the thing we take for granted, code reuse, password reuse, software reuse, all those things we say we're not going to do is entirely predicated on this. I don't know enough to ask where this came from. I'm not going to, and I'm going to pass this on to somebody else who's going to make the same assumption I did. Yep, I agree. And I don't want to d- jump around on topics too much. Go ahead, I'll jump keep me on the reins, but um, I'm going to ask when this was for the listeners. So I'm curious if they're going to get interested in this. So DevSecOps is still a very big movement and everybody, it's, a, it's still the part of the craze of... Uh, is DevSecOps like something that's real or is it just a smoke and mirrors tactic to say that we're taking something seriously? Like, what are your thoughts on this movement? Okay, the, none of the opinions I express in this podcast are those of my company. <laughs> <laughs> I should have I let it with that disclaimer. The opinions I expressed in this episode lawyer. 
are, are expressive of their own maker and they are not representative of any uh, state, nation, or organized. Exactly. Yeah. Little, little more context to the question, like, because this is very relevant and relevant in the agile space, because like, you, you know, you, everybody knows that there's a lot of movements and frameworks and practices and like, there's a lot of, and Jay and I talk about this all the time, so do we and Steven, there's a lot of good theory, a lot of good intent okay, behind yeah. it, but practice speaks louder and like what's actually happening, right? It's that difference between saying you're in love and being in love, right? Like everybody can say you're in love and everybody's going, I talk like, but it's not. What it's really doing is saying, we take it seriously because now we have cyber insurance, litigation, and all these other things that are starting to back up on us. And we see ahead of the curve that litigation is going to start making its way up the food chain. And we're kind of making sure ahead of time that we got our box, like, don't get me wrong. Totally valid. You're supposed to do that. That's what the law is compliance for, right? Like, but it's again, are you being, and again, are you being compliant and are you being secure? Everybody's worrying about being compliant, but they go, well, security is kind of a pain in the butt. It comes out to this. Is DevSecOps snake oil? Let's be honest, right? Yes and no. And I'll, I'm going to qualify this answer with this. Is the term and the concept and what it is currently being framed at in 21 totally snake oil 100 percent. but is it good practice what you should be doing yes it is the reason why is this every time i go into a meeting with a company i say you should change your passwords update everything don't give out more rights than you should and whatever else they go i'm tuning out this is the same goddamn speech i've heard the last 400 times yada 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 last 400 but, times i didn't do it Exactly. The last hundred times, I did. and the last hundred times I came in here to sell you something that I said was going to fix all this. This is the new thing that's going to fix all this. It doesn't sell beach houses, and if I came in with the same wagon wheel, nobody's going to buy it. Again, I don't care. I'm the guy that's going to come in and tell you the same thing every time because that's what you need to hear. Not hey, we're going to do this code review thing now, which is going to automatically do all these things. And no, you know what that does. Those things are only as good as the person who programmed it to look for those things. Yeah. Like we're mm -hmm. depending on something else to do it. Right. And it just keeps propagating over and over and over again. Another it's another part that that even as somebody who's never written a line of code, it jumps out at me is um, we all know, especially as ex-project managers, right? Whenever you have to get InfoSec involved to approve your shit before it goes to production, I'd have better luck getting pregnant than getting it through on the first try. I actually know, <laughs> I actually know a project manager. We were going to put a statue of him at a previous job because he deployed something into production and then went to InfoSec second, had them downgraded from like gold to basically wood so he could get away with having it in production, right? But- yeah. My point, my, my to back on point is it's one of those things where we all know we should, it's like, it's like eating right. It's one of those things we all know we should do. We know that it will, if we don't do it, it's going to have problems down the road, but yet we don't devote enough time to it. Right. And, and how many times have, have Steven, uh, John, uh, even Ken, right. How many times have we went and somebody and said, here's what I need to do to make us secure. It's going to cost a hundred million. And the, and the person with the checkbook <laughs> yeah. says, great, here's 5 million. Do the best you can. Yeah, exactly. Like, What's the bronze medal winner? Like, and you're going to understand, like every company on earth, quote proverbially, has that exact mentality. I know it'll cost this. Give me the, 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 the less expensive version of it. You're like, this is why this stuff ends up happening over and over and over again. And, and like, it gets very difficult. And I'll say it this way. I enjoy being in those meetings 
less than you enjoy being in those meetings. <laughs> like the reason I got into hacking was so I didn't have to be around anybody else. I could be left alone with my computer <laughs> doing computer things. And you're like, I, I again, they, everybody thinks of it this way, that it's adversarial, that I'm there to just write stuff up. And all I care about is sitting there and making everybody's life hard. Quite the opposite. The worst of a job that a team does it's more documentation, it's more writing, it's more research, and more time that I could be doing something far more productive, enjoyable than my time, than going through and reading the code comments you put in there that said, this part of the code is broken, I haven't finished it, comment it out, we'll get back to it. That is literally how I have found some of the biggest exploits on earth. I literally just went in, carved this file up and went, let me read all the comments of the lazy developers who just left shit hanging out there and I'm going to score up some free wins. I might use this. Exactly, right? Comment <laughs> out. I swear to you, I will release, I will tell you this in a couple weeks. There is a major piece of hardware used across multiple manufacturers that I figured out how to DOS reliably forever because I went back and read the developer comments where they said, we can't fix this. I have no idea who put this in here. And I went, I'll but bet I you can't I can take it out. Data. <laughs> but I can't take it out, or it'll break the system. Exactly right. That's exactly what it. And that and that's what I went after. That's what I I go after. Is like, you find the same technology stacks are everywhere. Why does Intel develop something white box and it ends up in all of the other major manufacturers? Because they're just reselling the same box with some crap on top of it, with a brand on top of it. I don't mean to crap like pejorative. Like it's the same thing. It's the same wagon wheel. I found major holes in infrastructure. You go back. I did it at ShmooCon, did it at DevCon. I went after just the technology stack because I used to be an engineer way back with Jay in the day. And you know how that technology system works. And I went, here are the core technologies every, every major manufacturer has. They rebrand a piece of infrastructure for network. They rebrand a baseboard management controller. They rebrand this. They rebrand remote access. I said, how do they all work? I tear them apart and went, here's all the places that never got fixed. That's it. And I, I, as Jay can attest to, I have broken the internet in an unrecoverable way that I can't talk about <laughs> because yeah. of that. So, so Jay, I, yeah. I want to I pander to the audience a little on the agile side of things. So let's say, you know, I'm going to use the analogy of the whole quality assurance movement, which should be security, but like we know that's a different piece, yeah. right? So just the quality assurance movement within the agile space, right? It became a lot of, well, how do we reduce waste? How do we get this more lean? And obviously now testing started to become part of the team and now full stack engineers started to get born. And that's how that movement started to get these cross-functional teams. Yet security never really seemed to be a part of that discussion. Right. And it still That's, seems to be extremely siloed and fragmented. Like what's happening? I think, I think part of that, I mean, I, you weren't asking me directly, but I think part yeah. of that is because the mindset is that that's already part of the dev solution. That's what devs do. Everybody a, assumes somebody yep. else covered it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it, do you think this, I mean, and this is where it gets interesting from, from just a philosophical perspective, but like, yes, everybody is assuming that the dev did it and then the devs are doing the Spider-Man pointing at each yeah. other thing. And like, so exactly. I get that's, yeah. like, that's what's kind of happening a little bit, but at the end of the day, like, is, is the awareness though, and the leadership that's needed to resolve it, not really among development? Like, is this a product management issue or? So I'll throw this at you. Look at the, the Agile Manifesto, individuals and interactions over processes and tools, right? But what is security? I need processes 
compliance, I need the tools to do it and say at any given point of time or a snapshot in time, this is exactly the state things are in. Working software over comprehensive documentation. What's the thing I need to prove somebody was or wasn't in a system or more importantly, safe harbor to say yeah. this is a reportable incident versus a security breach. Yep. I need you to give me a document to say, here's some reasonable assurance. Customer collaboration over contract negotiation. Trust me, we're all in that business. I get it. Trust me, I own one. We're all there. Responding to change or following a plan, which is where everything should intersect. We should all come together. And, and what is agile? Agile is pragmatic thinking and going, we have to react to fix a problem. This is a tried and true method. And if it doesn't work, we're going to break it down, try it all over again, figure a better way out. The same way I operate. That's exactly like I fail a thousand times before I get in, right? And people have to look at that. They're not adversarial. We just have to, again, figure out the best way to work together. And figure out, again, I'm about the same thing. Security to me is making it as easy as possible for you to be compliant and secure. It's, it's not butting heads. It's a way, it just has to be a different way of thinking. And getting involved earlier in the process, again, yeah. I, what I'm a big proponent of is I share information, I talk a lot, and I try to teach because, again, I want to work less. I also want to make sure that the problems that affect you, the problems that are being taught to people, don't affect me. It's like a team effort. Like if you're, mm -hmm. uh, I, I put it, Jay was, I've broken into like thousands of banks, right? Like I really have literally broken into an endless amount of banks in my life and I've never been caught. And I'm like, I'm not here to make your life hard. My money is in a bank too. I would really like it not to be stolen. <laughs> like, yeah. I do have some of my, some of my own motivation here. Yes, um, exactly. Like we all have skin in the game. Like, and that's the responsibility, but like, I need people to start thinking about what's going to happen in 30 years. Because yeah. we're getting to that point where we're like, oh, IoT, SCADA, all this other stuff. Nobody thought when SCADA came out, they would ever be in 2021 lifting bridges and spinning centrifuges. But God damn it, here we are. Like, yeah. And now that we're getting, again, second, third generation lazy, that's a good example of it. Think of how much more connected we all are. And yeah. how long what we're going to be doing is we're going to live for. Sorry, if, sorry to talk. If you've seen the meme, if you've seen the meme with all the people with all the different levels of technology in the house, where it starts with the software engineer who has like <laughs> everything is IoT, and the last yeah. person is the mainframe engineer who says, "I own the most recent piece of technology I have is a dot matrix printer from 2004, and I keep a shotgun loaded next to it for if it makes a noise that I don't like, <laughs> I'm just going to shoot it." That's Ken, right? Yeah. That's Ken. He has taught me that. Don't trust it. Don't trust yeah. it. To, to your point, John, though, I mean, I just finished reading um, Sooner, Saver, Happier by Jonathan Smart, who was the, I'm, I'm going to try and get him on the show. He was the way of working guy at Barclays. And he talks about the idea of risk, compliance, governance, and safety. And he actually calls out what Ken says, where if you think about risk and compliance, those are two departments that typically are completely incongruent, right? They're pulling in opposite directions. It's, it's, it's kind of like how we got to the portmanteau of DevOps, right? Development's goal was to introduce as much good value into the into the environment as fast as possible, whereas operations was maintain stability and operate in control. Well, those two things are incongruent. Um, he, he talked about a lot of interesting stuff about like um, combining like your risk compliance, data governance, all those people into a team, which you then spread them out amongst the org. Like, I, again, but the big thing is this costs money, which nobody okay, Can I spend. jump in for one second? Sure, sure. It doesn't. You pay your way up the ladder of convenience. And we talked about this, right? Like you pay your way, up, more money you have, the more convenient you can get. But if you think about the concepts you're talking about, what are they? They're the same concepts I work by. Integrity. I want to, with the CIA triad, what we talk about in security, confidentiality, integrity, and availability. 
I want to keep my data secret. I want to make sure nothing happens to it so it works and all transactions are awesome. And I want to make sure it's up all the time. Those three governing concepts are the same governing concepts behind you. We just have to frame them a little differently. And isn't that what Agile is all about, right? And I, I say, if you're an Agile expert, you're a security expert. You just have a different set of goals. Different syntax, different yeah, syntax. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I want to mention, go on, go I want to mention one thing on the, because uh, we had this discussion and it may, and I'm curious, Ken and Stephen, on like, like your thoughts on this, because uh, we, we recently had some, uh, big uh, surge in work in the cloud infrastructure space. And we had a lot of full stack engineers. So a lot of my team members were like, well, maybe we can just cross train our full stack web applications and guys to learn some of the platform work. And my platform engineers are like, please don't, please don't bring them. Like, <laughs> don't do that. And, don't bring that and, to the party. <laughs> and I wonder if there's some of that in the security side. We're like, oh, we can just have some more people understand and cross train to learn more security. And the security guys are like, no, please. That's no. I get I, This is what is we went from information science 10 years ago where I had to explain to people what my job was. And they're like, people pay you to do that To It's now pop science where you can go on the radio literally and hear that in six months, you're going to make $11 billion doing security hacking for God knows who, right? It's not realistic at all. Not even close to like reality. That's again, there's, there's so many things that go into this problem. And I just, I mean, that's, uh, a, that's very similar though in agile, right? Yeah. If you don't know anything, go take this three-day course, get this cert, <laughs> and then you yep. can be making a bunch of money, right? Yep. It's the same thing. So I'll, if, if you're all right, Jay, I'll, I'll kind of circle to a different angle, right? So much of my work is with the small to medium-sized SMB market, right? I've got a lot of info on the MSP world that you mentioned. Um, and, and so part of the challenge becomes, I mean, my immediate response to Jay when he put, posted, hey, we're going to do this chat, you know, it, is the cloud safe? My immediate response was no. Right, it's not. Because <laughs> it's nothing's not safe. <laughs> is anything safe? No, it's not. So somewhere, your whole point around convenience versus what can be done, there is a blend, right? So I think part of the challenge the MSP market is facing is that it used to be, well, the hackers just go after the big guys. That is definitely not the case, right? Oh, yeah. So people don't understand. Like the argument I've had to have with people and sitting down while their company is burning is going, you aren't the target necessarily. You are a means to an end. Ransomware is really cyber warfare, or as we say, you know, it's economic warfare, frankly, by act, bad actors. And you go, listen, did the person who was, you know, who was, was captaining the ship that got torpedoed in North Atlantic in 1940, whatever, was he the target? No, it was Atlantic shipping that was the target. It just happened to be your boat that got torpedoed. Right. It happens. Like, and people don't want to understand that. And again, you have the people that go that, but then on the other hand, the first ones, you go, well, how did my credit card get breached? Like, do you understand how this all, like, it's this mentality and, and, and people don't get it. And I think people are waking up to it now as again, things are getting more advanced and opening up a little bit more in the streets of the world we are living in and why it operates the way it does. Right. Yeah. Like, so sorry, so that's all right. So I kind of want to jump back to the, the world though, because there in some respects, the small business is in a really tough spot Yeah, because they may or may not have the funding to bring in an IT shop set up their own servers and manage it. And if they are, 
you're now relying on one or two or three people who may or may not have a clue as to what they're doing to run their IT shop. So is so, that secure? So, no. No, no, and think of it this way. So you're the cloud company, if you will, providing this piece of cloud infrastructure or network infrastructure, whatever. And your market is not only selling direct to that client, it's selling to that company and selling up and down that entire supply chain and being completely vertical. They don't really give a crap if two to three person shop gets wiped out because another two to three person shop who will depend on their hardware and software will roll in there and either bring it with them or whatever. It doesn't matter to them. It's an interchangeable part of the ecosystem. They're like small MSPs are like weeds. Pull one out, another three people show up in their basement somewhere. Like that, that's how it works. And yeah, they don't, so, and again, they don't, but and they sell to that market and go, we got it all covered for you. Right. But then what happens? So, I mean, I think there's, that? you know, there's part of that that's a challenge in the world too of, you know, I'm this provider of this security software and we will 100% guarantee you won't get hacked. What? <laughs> I will tell that's, Let that me is, see I, you when I do. <laughs> All right. I'm a bit of a dick in my industry because I will tell you this stuff. Anybody who tells you something is 100% secure is, again, any... I, I, sales okay, I, probably. Yeah, that is somebody who's selling Sorry. you something for their beach house. Yeah, I've been doing this. I'm an expert. I well, Trust me, I got the bona fides to back up. I will tell you, I will never, ever, ever, ever say anything is 100%. Nobody in the field does it. Nope. We say with high, high confidence or night, whatever. But nobody says that. If somebody says that to you, your ears should perk up. Yeah, and I, I mean, so one of the things I enjoy seeing is some of the security people going in and, and saying, um, really? Okay, <laughs> let's talk. Right? Yeah. So, so that's good that, that there's some, some balance there. So the other thing I was going to bring up, if you look at like as things mature, right? So you take, we go from a bicycle, now we have a car and then, or a wagon or whatever, then a car. So as things mature, sometimes it does take the, um, the, the laws and such to say, hey, when you manufacture a car, you have to have a seatbelt. So I do see some things happening. You mentioned cyber insurance. Cyber insurance yeah. is starting to say, if you don't do at least these basic things, we won't give you a policy. Yeah. Right. So there are some things that are starting to take shape. Why? Because they're tired of paying out big bucks for crap. So I will, I will say this. I think the next big one is going to be the Mansfield bar of our industry. You know what that is? The Mansfield bar at the back of your car. It's how Jane Mansfield was decapitated. The whole reason that bar exists at the end of that back of that truck now is because Jane so Mansfield ran into the car, took her head off. Now every truck on earth has to have that because nobody can be responsible enough to do that. We have to go. That's the rules now because right. you had your toys. We have to take them away. I think we are getting to that point now because, for example, just came on the news today um, that now after the SolarWinds hack, uh, all these APT groups, whoever responsible for it, are now going after other agencies and stuff. You're like, that's a logical conclusion. Who didn't think of that? It's like a revelation. That impact, whatever's going to fall out of that, whatever the next domino to fall in this chain of things happening, because what did they do? They got into SolarWinds, which gave them access to Microsoft source code, which was acknowledged, and a couple of other things. What do you think they were after? They weren't after, you know, Steve Ballmer's, uh, you know, tickets to the box or anything. They were after source code. I know why I go after source code. I told you why. And again, think of what's in that Microsoft source code. It still supports POSIX. 
it still supports things that are literally 70, 80, like our 70s and 80s technology. Jay makes the joke about a mainframe. I'm a mainframe expert. It's one of my weird niche things. There are so many ways in because we don't have new technology. We throw new technology in front of old technology to make it look good. And there are still ways in because the people who maintained that code back in 1970-something, 80-something are dead or their brains are tapioca. <laughs> like, good luck finding the guy who wrote that thing in 1978. So the underlying question is, do you think COBOL okay. will ever actually die? No. <laughs> Never. <laughs> So you said something earlier that actually I like chuckled and agreed with the whole laziness phase and all that. And, and I agree, completely agree. We're going through like phases or whatever you want to call it. Of yeah. it, It's compounding and it's growing. And now I'm like actually having more anxiety the more I think about it based off the way that you're actually talking. Because if you think about it, you're right. Everything literally is just being layered on. And when you think about it, as the technology grows and the easiness, because people can open up low code platforms now and create things that they never should have any business creating in public settings like any person that can't code now can do these things that it's beyond developers now right so where i'm going with this is, is the exposure i mean imagine a server getting hacked back in the day like 20 or 30 years ago yeah it sucked but like your architecture is also so fragmented and it was very controlled where like the damage usually wasn't as bad because it was now in the cloud like it's wildfire like usually one thing it just spreads and, and, and people don't understand. Again, it's poorly managed shadow IT infrastructure. Yeah. At that level, you are a tenant of the building. If the building catches on fire in one room, the entire building is going to burn down. It doesn't matter that the you know, hacker doesn't go, oh, man, I'm yeah. not allowed to touch that company or that wasn't my original scope. No, it's called pivoting. We do it all yeah. the time. I'm an expert at it. Sure, and, all kinds and, of crazy ways to do it. And, and you're right. I think I think Stephen, you were on to something where like the policies and the and the legalities around like you know, do you want to actually make sure that if something happens, I think those compliance and standards are just going to keep growing and be, and eventually well, it's just going to be like, well, I don't know, like, and this is where it gets interesting. The barrier to entry, this is where the new markets emerge, right? Where people are going to be like, well, I can't even afford to build the freaking product, and this is where businesses emerge, right? Yeah. Oh, there's an opportunity now because I can. Yeah, so it will happen. It's going to be interesting. So, it, it's, it's, I think there's a big. I think there's a big hit, if you will, coming to the MSP world, right? Because a lot of MSPs are, hey, I'm an IT guy. I've been doing this. Now I'm helping my buddy with his company. Oh, I just got my second company. I'm helping. You know what? I'm going to do this for a living. And now it's you know an IT guy that had three four years experience at a company, that's his total experience is now an MSP. Because I, there's not there's not really a gateway into becoming an MSP except to slap a label on you so that you're an MSP. That's a great that's a great point, and it's something I should deal with every day. Because to the average consumer, they don't understand the difference between any of us and their quote unquote nephew who does this at their college full time, whatever. Or I've had to have it explained to people. I'm like, this is how advanced botnets work. How do I know that? Well, I'm writing a book about it, and I happen to be a subject matter <laughs> expert. Well, that's not what my cousin and his son, like, like, I'm pretty sure I know how to take a virus off your computer. And I'm pretty sure I know what's going on. <laughs> oh, you don't know. All right. But it's because of the things like people equivalent, like, they, they equivocate. They're like, hey, I've seen this happen in on TV. It must not be that hard or it might this. And you go, the, the, the example I always give is this. All right. I will let your, your nephew tell me this, but I'll make the same deal. I'm going to watch an episode of ER. I'm going to get a steak knife. And I'm going to cut your chest open and do heart surgery. 
because that's what you're doing are we cool with that because that that's the point we're at and they go oh i get it now yeah like there's a difference between installing windows from an iso and like doing high-end reverse engineering for digital forensics purposes like i deobfuscated tour through devices in people's houses it's a little bit different than yeah installing my, windows my printer's at a toner exactly um <laughs> what one of one of the things that kind of and, and i i think there's some of it is you know risk profile how much you're willing to swallow right it's almost like a like it's almost like an actuarial where some it guy somewhere is sitting there saying what are the odds we get compromised what are the odds we get this versus what do we what's the impact the negative press what does it pay out somebody somewhere like is figuring that out, but specifically around the cloud stuff. And this is where I kind of, this is where my, my ears perked up on this conversation is again, I've never written a line of code, but I know enough that I understand the inherent complexity in moving something from your on-prem solution to into the cloud, right? Aside from the fact that we're now introducing this wonderful thing called microservices, which makes brilliant sense, right? As far as resiliency, as far yeah. as responsiveness. However, it is a bear when it comes to multiplicity of complexity. Right, you by by taking one service, one CRUD service, and turning it into four disparate pieces. And if you have four applications that all used to use that service, now you have sixteen different pieces. There is a level of complexity you are outright creating that the typical human mind cannot fathom. And with that comes all the security concerns with it. So when I hear somebody, oh, we're just going to stand it up in AWS, it's really easy. I just hand you my Visa card, boom, there we go. <laughs> right. It's I, I, and I'm not trying to you know. Uh, in the odd event we have some CIO somewhere listening to this, I'm not trying to scare you and say, don't put it in the cloud. What I'm saying is if you are going to put it in the cloud, pay for the security and pay for a professional to help you do it. I was going to say one comment, because I'm curious, Ken, on your, on your thoughts on this, because it goes directly to your Jay, what you're saying. I think the more the, uh, it does get more complex, obviously, with the microservices, but I will eat those words real quick and say, well, not really, because it's not complex if the developers and the people that are building it are moving with the complexity, meaning like it shouldn't be complex to those people if they're living and breathing it and building it. And this goes back to the whole laziness and phase thing that Ken was talking about, where if people are accepting that and becoming and just going through those phases, it becomes complex because they're accepting mediocrity and laziness. But like, if you don't grow with your product and the code, then yeah, it's going to be viewed as complex, and then the and then the chaos starts, right? So, yeah, so go I, ahead, Ken. So. It, it, uh, no, again, basically the same. Like, I don't like complexity. Complexity is something I. The more complex, I say, more complex things get, the easier it is for me to break them open because it's just more moving parts. And again, if you begin, we always say in the security side, if you begin with the end in mind, right? That's what we do. We begin with the end of mind, say we're going to design for this thing. Everybody talks about moving left. People, DevSecOps is quote unquote moving left. But when it comes time to move left and go, maybe we need to add things a little bit earlier and do it, people go, well, that's going to change things. That we've always done it that way. You're like, isn't that what Agile is all about? It's not, there's not an enemy here. It's just that, again, funny part of me and Jay is like we worked in different parts of the company which were typically adversarial because like the developers hate the engineers and the engineers hate the developers and we end up becoming friends and it's like this weird rivalry that nobody can really explain how it started <laughs> like yeah. we forgot long ago what this fight was about but they always say we say it's the network we always say they say it's the code nobody can really point back to it and it's like we are all on the same page we all operate on the same concepts it's just we've grown apart for some weird reason 
and it's time to come back because now software defined networking, all these other things, our worlds are not different anymore. Virtualization, what enabled the cloud is taking physical hardware, the things we typically dealt with as engineers, making them virtual and software, and now our worlds have collided. You can't fix it. Like we we got to figure it out. Like there's no choice. Yeah, I, I do find it funny now and I chuckle whenever, you know, it's exactly like you said, oh, it's the code. No, it's it's the, well, now it's funny because now that we have infrastructure as code, it's like, yeah, it's probably the code because it's <laughs> <laughs> always the code. It's always the code. Um, so uh, another thing, I mean, timely episode, uh, we, you know, we're, we're having this, we're recording this on, what is this, October 6th? Uh, this morning it was announced that Twitch was hacked. And they didn't just hack Twitch. They dumped all their source code, which means if they were, I'm assuming if they were in Twitch, that means they were in Amazon, right? So, I mean, uh, somebody who posted it today that I think it all, it all ties back to Bezos and the penis rocket. He chased it with the penis rocket and he he tempted fate and, and wearing his watch outside of his jumpsuit. And, and here we (laughs) are. Um, Ken, any idea? I mean, I I know there's only so much you can say, but any ideas on where that's coming from? Was this, was this, was this an inside job? Is this just somebody malignant actor looking for an opening and they found it? And he, if you were to speculate, right, what would spe- you think? If I were to wildly speculate with no information whatsoever, um, <laughs> <laughs> what I'd say is this, uh, two things. It, it, whether it matters or not who the actor is, there is clearly some sort of malicious campaign of some sort to go after these companies en masse, whatever the purpose may be. So I'm not going to say attributing it and putting cause behind it is irrelevant because it's not, but our reaction to it will be the same no matter what. Information got leaked. There's a problem, what have you. Going back to the attribution and talking about who did it and why. Again, let's. I will get into that point. Who do I think did it? I think there are a lot of things going on. I think things going on with social media, a lot of polarization, what have you. It's got a lot of people doing a lot of crazy things and either people are making a very strict stand about it, or there are other entities which are taking advantage of that environment for their own purposes, whatever they may be. I'm not some tinfoil hat maniac. I'm not going to get into the crazy part of this. It's just saying it's something we can all accept regardless of what your opinion is. That's what I think a lot of this is, is you've got a lot of people with a lot of axes to grind, and you've got a lot of people who are taking advantage of it. There's ways to monetize it. There are ways to make a political stand. All of those those motives, which are the same thing it has always been, same way with espionage, the Cold War, whatever. I want money. I want fame. I'm disgruntled and have an axe to grind. And if you look at all things like that, that's that's threat modeling. One of the funny things we talk about is like, how do we move left? And we say, what's threat model? It's all these other things. Let's just predict what's going to happen. If everybody wants money, fame, or has an axe to grind, those are three motivations you can design with and say, what are the ways somebody could take these random parts of my system or my random parts of my application and use them? If you need to be mm-hmm. highly available, obviously you're going to pay a lot of money if somebody can make it not available anymore. Yep. So let's worry about that. I was somebody, somebody posted on Discord a good article and it was talking about kind of the, the trash and the trolls and all that happened with, yeah. with social media. And what they said is, look, when you're designing exactly what you said, we make personas around hey, these are our target customers, right? You should yeah. make a threat persona, right? <laughs> yeah, this guy's an asshole who's going to hate everything we do. What would, what would I do if I was in those shoes? Exactly. Yeah. And then you got to think like them. What would I do? I would try to you know, post nudie pictures on a family-friendly site. I would try to 
flame somebody. I would try to put in links that direct them off to some other thing. I would try to hack this way. I would. Steven, I mean, like, I'm chuckling because we literally had a conversation like this in the most simple, rudimentary way in the company where it was like very like, hey, when we terminate somebody and their ID, like, is it actually terminating them like today? And there were literally some systems where they're like, ah, some of them take a week to update. And pe some people on the call were like, that should be fine, though. And I'm like, look, at, I'm like, what? Because <laughs> I'm thinking of the threat person. I'm like, if they're pissed off. Hell no. Like it's like and it's and just let's, crazy. let's take a left with this and tie it back to um Stephen and John our, our day jobs, right? We always talk about metrics. We always talk about metrics. Whenever someone shows me a metric of anything, my first thought, and maybe this is because I'm a sociopath and we're just talking about this now. My first thought is how do I game this? How do I game this? How do I expend the least amount of effort to make this look good so you shut up and leave me alone? And if and if anyone is listening to this who's responsible for maturity metrics or delivery metrics or anything like that, whenever you create one of those things, the first thing you should think of is how am I going to fake this? It's like the whole conversation of, I need you to double your team's velocity. That's fine. Give me 10 minutes. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to go into zero. I'm going to make points. every two point story. I'm going to add zeros to all my yeah. stories. I mean, exactly. You're going to set the clock from on the side. system back 10 minutes so that I get 10 more minutes. <laughs> I'm going to mess with NTP so time on the network gets handed out. I'll reset the clock to anything I want. Like, again, yeah. you go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You're like, that's exactly what I think. It's what I specialize in. Like, I, I cash in bounties and people go, I never, like, who on earth would think of that? Like, I did. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not hard. And by the way, there are people who are, well, you're wearing a black hat, so I can't say that. No, you but can there are people... I'm wearing a Wu-Tang hat, of course. <laughs> See? There are people that are sitting out there that their full-time negative job is to actually hack people because yeah. that's how they make their living. Yeah. Right? And so they're trying oh, oh, to find that and think My that business way. is stupidity and convenience, and it is booming. <laughs> like, I think you summarized a lot of coaching jobs out there, by the way. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> I will, I will say too, because of, we just said, talked about the Twitch and stuff, but when you start talking about these things that go down like solar winds and stuff like that, that's, that's pretty scary stuff. But I can't like some of the critical infrastructure stuff that happens. I mean, that this is becoming real and I'm sure you can, I don't want you to speak to it. Cause I know you can, <laughs> but like, that is some scary stuff that is very real. And when I heard about the pipeline stuff and when they did the analysis and they basically found out like, not only did they have the audits and compliance and checks and they had everything in place, it's just simply like they didn't do it yet. Like it was just a risk they absolved or mitigated by just simply not getting to it yet. And I'm like, unfortunately, some of those rules are if you have a, I have a plan to do this, you can check off on it. Yeah, that's true. That is so, true. I'll do another one. Right. I feel like I live in the movie 12 Monkeys. Because I'm a big, like I said, this is what I think. Because what is happening is this you can look this up, swear to God. I actually broke Kaseya software in 2019, published the CVE, talked to them, and said, somebody is going to do this, 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 and this with this thing and cause this to happen. We got it. We'll fix it. No problem. Okay, just do me a favor. Give me some public credit when you get done. Cool. I'm going to walk away. They got ransomed for 70 million bucks, never published that, and then went, we had no idea something like this would ever happen. True story. <laughs> really happened. You can look it up. 
Same thing with a couple of other stories where it was like, I literally went and went, hey, somebody's going to do this. The petroleum one, went, I wrote an academic paper about this and said, here is exactly what's going to happen. Here are the acting groups that are going to do it. Here are four or five models of it happening. Here's what's going to happen. I can't believe, I'm like, like, you know, you like that's, that's interesting, by the way. And this is my space where I'm too dumb to speak about it technically, but like, you know, I, I, I'm in the data science space and do IoT algorithms and stuff like yeah. that. It, it is interesting what you just said, because like, maybe there's not enough data showing the probabilities where, you know, people always think it's low, it's low. Oh. And I'm like, if I showed you a real scenario and simulated this and the probabilities of the threat assessment, and it, it gets complex there, but like, even if it's 2%, that's high. Like, yeah, even, that's one in 50, right? Go, yeah. But that's that's why I say people, oh, it's a 1% chance. Great. That's a one in 100 chance. Think of it in those terms. You yes. make it think. But, that's but high. You, you, said some, you said something really interesting, and you mentioned it earlier about like cyber insurance and underwriting and all those other things. We can accurately measure that thing. If everybody was just honest and said, I got breached. Here's a problem. Here's how it happened. And this has crashed. This is why the cyber insurance market has crashed. And I teach two cyber insurance claim adjusters. All of those tables, all those actuarial tables, all this data we love are built off of hyper-accurate tables of people reporting things. I came up in the life insurance industry. They can tell you the month you're going to die, and they bet you against that, and they always win, right? Same, the same mentality happened in cyber insurance where they went, okay, everybody wants to sell cyber insurance, but it's new, and we all want to race to the bottom and win the market over and do the cheapest price product. And the only data we have is all the honesty system that no actual law said you have to go out and say, do all of this. And everybody raced out and went, okay. And then what happened? Everybody started talking, things got big scale. And now they're going, oh my God, not only do we not, and we have to pay all of these claims that already went out. We now have to readjust and pay all the future claims and get our money back. And raise our prices. Yeah, for, <laughs> from companies that won't exist anymore because they went bye-bye when they got ransomed. There was a there was a great article and I, and I actually stopped my subscription to the magazine because it was just turning into trash. But there was a great article in <laughs> um, in Wired Mag about I think it was Man Re. They're the, they're the reinsurer out of Germany, right? Where they started writing pandemic policies and they tried to sell it to everybody. This is like 2017, 2018. They were trying to sell it, and the only company that bought their product was Wimbledon. Where they were the only company to buy that pandemic insurance and they, they pay full premium. So that's why when you know you saw those articles that said, "Oh, well, we're all locked in the house." Wimbledon is canceled, but they had insurance, and that was one of the things where I went, "Huh? Oh. Like, why did they have insurance?" And then Wired, you know, true, there are some true journalists still left there at the magazine. They actually published a story where they got some guy sitting in the cube somewhere had this idea. He's like, "Has anybody ever looked at this? And what are the odds?" And you know, looking at the cycle, and it typically happens every hundred years. <laughs> all that sort of stuff he came up with it nobody bought it the one company that did bought it made out fine so there is some there's some there's a lot of perceptual biases there where you know i it can't happen to me small sample size bias selection bias all those things tie into our heads and when you have someone who's very important who actually writes the check who says "Uh, i'll take my risk that we get compromised i mean what, what was the um ken what was the one where was Maersk, was the shipping company got compromised and they weren't even the target. The target was what, the Iranian centrifuges and somehow it got out? Oh yeah, so stu- yeah, this is Stuxnet. Stuxnet. So like, the Stuxnet, reason we yeah. discovered Stuxnet, it was targeted towards SCADA and Iranian act- or, uh, reactors at the time. The only reason anybody figured it out is because the only way they could get it into this air gap network was through USB drives so they'd like propagate through it and it got out. And somebody at a lab pulled it out and went, oh my God, what is, it got to wire value. 
Same thing happened with the proxy logon thing, the exchange thing earlier. Nobody earlier this year, nobody figured out what was wrong with exchange until a forensics company went in and took it apart, dumped the memory, and went, Oh my God, this is malware, and it's been out there for God knows how long. Like there are these situations, like and, and again, we 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 you go where well, you're not the target, the same thing with Marisk, all these other things. And we, we have to be way more intelligent about the way we react to problems and again we have to be a little bit more realistic with the problems with which we deal with every day like let's be honest let's have again kind of that come to jesus meeting of okay here's right. the pandemic problem here's <laughs> this and you go okay one person thought of this pandemic policy one person thought of it and it comes down to this generals always fight the last war particularly if they have won it that's like a saying in the military. So what everybody's going to be doing now is planning for more pandemic, 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 and think about what the next thing that's going to happen is. And nobody's doing a whole lot of that. And a lot of this, your data guys, I'm a game theory guy. I'll talk game theory every day. Jay probably gets sick of hearing about it, but it's the same idea. Operating on incomplete information, getting as much of a rich feel of, for things, as much as spectrum for information and making pragmatic, intelligent decisions, which can and can't change as the situation is necessitates. And there, it's there mathematically you it. founded. You can do it. It's just, well, I want to type code up the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, and John, that ties to, um, uh, you just made me think of, uh, oh shit, I just lost the thought. I just lost the thought, but yeah, I'm um, off the weeds. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, we're, we're, we're quickly approaching time. And I, I know that this conversation can go another three or four hours. Yeah. So um, I want to, I want to give you final word, Ken, you know, your, your audience is going to be agile practitioners all up and down the spectrum from scrum masters who just got their cert all the way to guys coaching at fortune 10, fortune 50 companies who are guys and gals, I should say people who are helping to run transformations. There is one piece of, of, of knowledge or one piece of, thought that you could put in all their heads to get them to think, what would it be? What would be that, that thing that you want them to rattle around up in that noggin? I'll give you two. I'll give you one. Okay. First one is this. It's a piece of advice I got very early on in my career and it's served me ever since. It makes everybody good security. Be somebody who can mow their own lawn. I'm not asking you to go out there every week and push your lawnmower around and run your weed whacker. But if I said, can you go out and perform this manual labor or understand how it's done? You can tell a good job from a bad job. And if something isn't right, you can go, okay. Or and it necessitate it. Like you said, Jay, you don't know, you haven't coded, but at least I can tell what goes on when it goes bad. That helps us keep an eye on everybody else. And the other one is this. It's all bullshit and everybody should be scared. <laughs> perfect, so, perfect. So, so Ken, um, uh, obviously I'm going to put some link to your stuff in your show notes. If people want to find you, they want more information. They want to follow your exploits, right? See what you're up to. Where do they go? <laughs> Where do they go? Where do they, where do they, where do they pay attention? You can, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you're actually making me go out to figure this out. So you can find me on LinkedIn because <laughs> it's the only social media in which I actually engage. And that's only because I don't want people squatting on my stuff and it's a good platform. <laughs> and I have to look this up because I finally got a Twitter account in August for DEF CON. I have to look up my, I have to look up my Twitter. My Twitter handle is singularity one with a Y and a one at the end. I like to publish stuff through that. Like I said, I use it about that much. But uh, if you want to see some of the work, uh, I publish a lot on ExploitDB. A lot of my work is private because I know how to Obviously, do yeah, stuff and right. I don't talk about it. But uh, follow me LinkedIn. Follow me occasionally on Twitter. Uh, 
I'll put it this way. I, I'm, I'm not the average guy where I go out and talk to things. I'm a very frank practitioner and I think very differently from a lot of people in my field. If you ever, the one thing I'm good for is you ever ask me what's on my mind, I will tell you exactly what's on my mind. Yes, and then, it, then it'll keep, then it'll keep you up at night. It'll keep <laughs> Jay, you up at night. I'd like to throw out one more little disclaimer. Because I think we did bash on the MSPs. There are some actually oh, yeah. excellent MSPs Absolutely. out there yeah. Yeah. that are massively involved on the security and yeah. tightening things up. So do not take my statements as I am taking a dump on the entire industry at all. Trust me, I worked in that field. I was a crusader in that field. I loved it. There are some really, really good, smart people like Jay and other people that are really good at it. There's just some bad apples or people that are a little bit lazy. Yep. And it happens. So you got to keep, and again, it's how we keep everybody else honest. It's not a bad thing to go. Why did that end up there? Or are you looking? That's what I right. want. Good, good point, Stephen. Good point. I oh. mean, if anything, this should be, this should uh, uh, bias towards action and thought. We should, this should hopefully make people uh, think about what we do day in and day out. All right. So uh, on behalf of myself, John, and, and Stephen, I want to thank Ken for coming on. Uh, you know, it's been a long time coming. This is a great conversation. This is obviously going to be the first of many. On behalf of Ken, Stephen, myself, and John, I want to thank everybody for tuning in once again. If you like what you heard, follow us. Give us a review. iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your podcast platform of choice. Uh, leave us a review or rating. It does help others find us. If you like what you heard, hop in the Discord. We have a very, very vibrant Discord server. We had a whole lot of arguments going on this morning um there was a lot of joke to be made about the uh, amazon hack and the penis rocket it kind of went crazy um so hop in there uh and i do want to give a shout out to the artist krebs and machine man records uh who graciously provide our outro music free of charge so if you like what you heard in the show notes i'm gonna have links to their Bandcamp, their spotify go in and check them out so once again i want to thank everybody for sitting in i want to thank all of you listeners for listening and until next time this is the agile uprising podcast signing out If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.